Had an apartment in the city Me and Loretta like living there Well it'd been years since the kids had grown A life of their own Left us alone John and Linda live in Omaha And Joe is somewhere on the road and We lost Davy in the Korean War And I still don't know what for It don't matter grow stronger and old rivers grow wilder every day old people just grow lonesome waiting for someone to say hello in Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. We are coming to you from Brewsters on Southland Drive. They've been so kind to host us again so that we can get our radio show taped for the week. We've got our friends from Open Doors joining us today. We've got Lord William and our best buddy, Chris, and of course, our host, Tom Dupree. And I want to give a big shout out to Brewster McLeod, who's allowed us to uh, use his place here to, to do this. It just has the right vibe for the show that we're going to do today. The music is by uh, Ian No N-O-E, from Beattyville, who has become kind of a big deal here lately. And uh, this is a John Prine song. When's he coming? He's coming to... He was at the Borough the other day, and it was like triple sold out. Um, the uh, he's at EKU, and I don't, it's I don't know if you can get tickets for that either. But he's it's hot. He, yeah, he's very hot right now. So he was kind of a protege of John Prine prior to him passing away. I actually think he does this song better than John Prine. But that's just me. That's debatable. Well, you know, <laughs> that's another argument we could have. All right, Psalm sixty three. Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. So um, I have, uh, and Elizabeth both have been familiar with the Open Doors organization uh, for a while here. Uh, they do uh, work of a somewhat sensitive nature. So, you know, the names are not exactly the right 
the same name as they might refer to elsewhere. They have to be somewhat clandestine in some of their operations. And uh, at the same time, was that a bad thing to say? No. Uh, at the same time, they, uh, you know, don't want people to be completely unaware of what they're doing because um, they need people who pray for them and who contribute to uh, their work uh, and are believers that uh, God wants to reach the whole world with the gospel. And they are, um, they are, testi- they, they testify to the uh, reality that when uh, people who are Christian are sometimes under greater pressure uh, from uh, political situations, from economic situations, from war, from religious persecution, that's under this kind of pressure that the gospel, this beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ, actually flourishes. Uh, this is not a, a message that you'll always hear in this country because we tend to like comfort, and that's human nature. I'm not berating anybody for it, but at the same time, it's not always reality and certainly not the reality that many of our brothers and sisters in the world are facing. So I'm not going to talk so much more. William, I am going to allow you to tell your story. We have plenty of time. Chris, if you want to say something right now, this is your only chance. Tom, it's great to be here with you and, and, and with Elizabeth and be here uh, in Brewster's Coffee Shop. Um, it's great to be in the bluegrass state and, and just celebrate with you. You're a big guy, but you're such a tender heart, and I, I, and I love being around you. You challenge me in so many ways. Tell my wife. But when we get to talking, when we get to talking, I see those emotions in you uh, stir. Yeah. Um, because when you look around the world and you see injustice, when you see uh, people who, who are in bondage, people who are persecuted, uh, you want to make it right. Um, you want to bring attention to it. Uh, you want to find funding uh, that can help us with these causes uh, to bring about real change. Open Doors works in more than 60 countries around the world. And of those 60 countries, uh, about 50 of them the opposition to Christianity there is Islam. But we know that Islam isn't the enemy. Islam is the mechanism, right? It's the tool that the enemy uses uh, to try to stop the advancement of the gospel. Um, in North Korea, it's a mad dictator that creates the opposition. And in, in uh, Colombia, it's the drug cartel. Uh, but in most of these countries, and specifically the countries um, that William, our guest, uh, works in, uh, it is Islam. It's getting around uh, the, the, the radical uh, side of this religion uh, that is trying to stamp out Christianity. Uh, but you can't do that. What we've seen uh, throughout history, uh, whether you're talking about the Church of Acts that, that was uh, born into the Roman Empire, born into a, a subjugated state, uh, and thrived and spread around the world 2,000 years later. Uh, there's Christians in every country. Um, uh, or if you're talking about Iran, Iraq, Syria, 
um, uh, these these countries uh, where it's outlawed to to follow Jesus. And it's amazing to to travel with my brother William uh, through the United States to to get to hear him speak in in churches and in different Bible studies and stuff. Um, but it's uh, it's great just to be in the car with him and to get yeah. to share that that personal time. So we're glad to have him here. Thanks, William. Uh, welcome to the Tom Dupree Show, and uh, it's yours, buddy. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate this. Uh, let me start with uh, one of the things that our founder, Brother Andrew, has said and, and says many times. It's it's like when when someone one of one of my colleagues said goodbye to him and said, "Just take care," you know, he turned around and says, "Come back, come back." And my colleague goes back to Brother Andrew, and then Brother Andrew says, "We don't take care; we take risks." Woo! You know, and and that's basically that's what Open Doors is. We take risks to bring the Bible in the hands of the people that really want them. And I started with Open Doors back uh, in in the late seventies. I've, I've transported Bibles into Eastern Europe, which at that stage was closed, because we felt like people that want the Bible should have should be able to have a copy of the bible and then feed uh, feed their spiritual lives by reading god's word and that continued we we've with my wife we've lived in in the middle east for nearly 20 years and some other countries also in the the former soviet union the the central asian part and we ministered to the the people there and and the christians and when when we look at the Christians, you know, we sometimes feel ashamed what we do in the West. Like, we tend to hide our cross. You know, you go to a birthday party and you don't want to upset people, so you hide the cross in your shirt and so that nobody sees that, you, that you're Christian, not obviously. But the Christians there, when, when for example, when they buy a car, they, they hang a cross from the rearview mirror. So anybody can recognize that you're Christian instantly. They show the cross that they have around the neck. And if you can't see the cross in jewelry, you only have to look at the wrists. And they got a little cross tattooed on the inside of the wrist. So you can always recognize a Christian. And can we, rec- you know, my family, can they recognize me if they don't know I'm a Christian? Can they see it? So it, it's a challenge. And, and we like to learn from the Christians in, in these countries like, how can we love the Lord more? One of the, the the church leaders I worked with very closely, he was living in front of ISIS, three kilometers away from ISIS. And and his people asked him at one stage, like, what will happen when ISIS comes to us? You know, and, and he basically answered, you know, they they will kill you very quickly. But because I'm the church leader, when they come to me, they probably do it very slowly. And then he said but I'll be happy to die for Jesus. You know, how, how happy are we to die for Jesus? How deep is our love for Jesus that we can say something like that in, in face of real danger? You know, and, and when people like this say, bring us a Bible, we would just love to do that because we know it, it's not just a book for them. It, it's, it's a source of, of truth and, and, you know, challenges for them and and it feeds their love for jesus so when they say bring a bible we we take the risks we to to take these bibles to them let me ask you a question um in these central asian places that you are uh typically uh the uh 
the greater it's 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 usually the poverty level may be a bit higher in terms of cost or uh, standard of living that kind of thing um in the west we tend to have uh, a lot of material goods and those can become a distraction to us in fact even an obstacle uh, because we care about things that uh, are of a transitory nature. Now, based on your observation, is it simply that, or is there a greater thing that uh, somewhat holds us back from this kind of engagement with the gospel, this kind of commitment, openly, what do you what you've been both places you mm. you live in the UK some of the time you've lived in Central Asia uh, you know um, and you can you can speak about both of them what's the difference I, I think it comes down to priorities one of the reasons is priorities how what priority is Christ in our lives for the Christians in in the Middle East in the persecuted world Christ is priority number one. And, and they want to follow Christ, whatever happens, whatever comes their way. In the West, sometimes Christ comes priority number one on Sunday morning only. You know, and that's what it is. Same with reading the Bible. You know, they, they've done a, a survey in the UK a few years ago amongst evangelical Christians. Uh, how often do you read the Bible? And 80%, 80% of the Christians, the born-again Christians, read the Bible not every day, maybe once a week. You know, and, and the Christians in, in the persecuted world, they live the Bible. They want a copy. It, it's a risk for them. You know, if, if you are in one of the, the Central Asian republics, the police can force you to open your mobile phone. And if you have a copy of the Bible on your mobile phone, you have to pay a month's fine because it's illegal to have. So you have to pay. And yet, you know, the Christians, they have the Bibles because they believe the Bible is what we need to read to, to, you know, to grow in our love for Christ. And in the West, you know, we love our cappuccinos more than reading the Bible. Well, I mean, I think you can do both. I don't know. But what we're talking about, uh, when, he, when he says risk, um, there is a cost involved to following Jesus in these places. Um, and it's the cost that Christ talked about. You know, if, if, you read the, if you read the gospel, he's very clear about suffering. That is a part of life. It's a part of this existence. And if you choose to follow Jesus, you're going to suffer. So if you believe that you're following Jesus and you're not suffering, you might be doing something wrong. You know, let me make a comment. We're all seeing <clears throat> these graphic pictures from Ukraine. Yeah. Yesterday, a bunch of them dropped of that. Uh, of that Bucha. Yeah, yeah. Where the people, and you couldn't miss them, dead bodies in the street. Now, let me ask you this. You being the listeners. How do you not watch that and not suffer? Yeah. So we're going to, you're, you're going to suffer waking up and walking around. Your toe might hurt. You might have a headache. 
You're looking at these pictures. Jesus is with the suffering. Amen. Amen. Jesus is with those who suffer. If you suffer, you have a friend in Christ Jesus. Preach it, Tom. I mean, I'm I'm just telling you. You're telling the truth. No, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, you know, how do you not turn to him? In, in this, because this is your companion in suffering. Yeah. And if you're got, if you have any thing in your soul anymore, if you're, if you haven't been so, uh, uh, seared by the world mm-hmm. and your conscience is still functioning and you see these things, how do you not turn to God? Because if you've never read the Bible, if you've never understood that Jesus Christ walks with those in this earth who suffer. Yeah. He was called a man of sorrows. That's right. You know, it was not your best not your best life now. For, yeah. I mean, his best life now was the cross. Now, I'm not knocking popular theological ideas. Well, sort of not. Uh, I'm saying that it's not ever it's not always what we think it is. So I'm, I didn't mean to jump in, but I'm trying to convey a little of what you're saying to the listeners. It, it, it's very clear that if you read the New Testament, that suffering is part of a Christian life. If you don't suffer, you might want to question. If you put it in the extreme, you might want to question if you're living a, a right Christian life. Yeah, but it's not when, like we go seeking it. No, no. It, it's going to come not. to us anyway. One of my friends living in, in one of those countries, you know, we, we had people who were killed by the Taliban, by the Mujahideen, Christians who were killed. And one of my friends, he comes to us and says, why is that not happening to me? Because I'm a Christian. Why am I not suffering? And it's a realistic question to ask. But at the same time, you don't go on the street and be run over by a car because you want to suffer. You know, it's, it's yeah, as clear as that. So, but when, when you look at the Christians, they definitely have something. You might remember the picture of the 21 guys in, in the orange boiler suit yeah. walked onto the beach Libya. of Libya. Yeah. And they asked them one after the other, do you want to renounce Christ? Do you want to renounce Jesus? And one after the other said, no. And at that answer, they got beheaded. What some people don't know is that one of those 21 was actually a Muslim. That's right. And he got caught up with this group. We don't know how, but he he was marched onto the beach as well. And he had like the the 15, 16 guys before him said, no, I love Jesus. And they got beheaded. And when they came to him, his answer was roughly like, I'm actually a Muslim, but having heard the love of these guys for Jesus... I want to believe in Jesus too. And he got beheaded just because of that. Because he made a decision 30 seconds before his death to follow Jesus. And that's something, you know, are are we willing to do that? Are we willing to to go for the suffering? Because in, in the West, basically the suffering that we face is like discrimination. You know, well, and I, it, it's I think not people face lots of things, not only in the West there's there's other kinds of suffering you know people that are that work here at this place have experienced tremendous suffering because of physical mental conditions things that they maybe were born with mm-hmm. and that that it's a type of persecution within the body you, you know what i'm saying 
and depression. That's another one. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I would say about my own personal suffering, and I only know my own, is that without it, my spiritual life would be very <laughs> flimsy. Not that it's that strong now, but right. it, it would but, be a uh, lot flimsier than it is. But how much of the suffering was because you love Jesus? Well, I, it's interesting. I I don't know that. I, I you know I, I tell you this. It made me love him more. That's right. That's and that's a good effect. Yeah, I I took it to the foot of the cross, and so in essence, it wasn't persecution because of my faith. But we do know that the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so there will come a time when you will be faced with what situations in your life that uh, where you got to make a choice. And then can we say, like this, this church leader from us in the Middle East facing ISIS, I would be happy to die for Jesus. Exactly. If that is a real, real physical threat. Amen. All right, guys, we got to jump in this segment. Hold that thought, Chris, for the next one. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. We're joined by Chris and William of Open Doors, and we're coming to you from Brewster's Coffee on Southland Drive. We'll be back in. Go, I'm sorry. uh, You cannot be quiet. (laughs) We will be back in just a few minutes with more of Tom, the Tom Dupree Show, and Tom Dupree. Stay tuned. You know that old trees just grow stronger An old river They got the farmhouse burning Watched it burn to the ground Smoke filled the horizon Just two miles from town There was no need to worry There was no one to care It was a dog den Where good men were rare But with the wheels on the highway For the cold autumn rain Out came the pistols And a book full of names Thumbing each one who sang out the words Facing hard times as an old junkie curse On down between the country With Dilly on the road On down between the country Way long life is a blessed one, I'm told With Henry, he was out in his yard Splitting that beech wood before the winter hit hard Laid a bullet in his back, watched him drop like a rock and Come to rest across that old chopping block Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of our first hour. We're joined this week by William and Chris from Open Doors. And here's our host, Tom Dupree. So, William, um, given that uh, many of these people are in situations where they do suffer, 
you know, and, and I'm not saying it doesn't even go on in this country because I think it, it is beginning to. But in these other countries where there is an official opposition to Christianity or anything like it, uh, what can people here do? What can organizations like Open Doors do to uh, somewhat uh, try to uh, alleviate or mitigate or even if you can't do that, uh, be companions to them in their difficulties. It, it, it's that's a very difficult question, actually, how to alleviate the suffering. One of the things that we we do experience that just by visiting them, showing that that we care, you know, that does uh, help them a lot. And and sometimes I say. The, the mere fact that you've traveled 6,000, 10,000 miles to visit us and to listen to our stories, that helps us. Doesn't take away that they might be killed for the faith. Four weeks ago, we, we heard of a, a good teenage girl who became a Christian who was shot by a family, killed because she became a Christian. So even if we stand next to the people that we know wanting to follow Christ, it doesn't take away that tomorrow someone might come and shoot them because they follow Christ. You know, but we, we do want to be there for them. And, and if us visiting them helps, if us bringing them a very dangerous copy of the Bible, we would do it if they want to have a copy of this dangerous book because it changes their lives. So... That's how we want to stand next to them. Also, practically, we, we help with some relief for the, the poorest of the poorest. We know one of the counties, the Christians, actually had to refer to eating grass in the mountain villages. Can you imagine these days that Christians have to eat grass because the village kind of excommunicates them and they're not able to go to the shops? So we, we want to help those as well with very practical uh, relief, you know, just send them a bit of rice and food and tea. And and in, in the leadership, we, we try to stand next to the church leaders and, and teach them on subjects that they want to hear. We, we hear so many horror stories of people that are suffering, really physical suffering because they follow Christ. And, and the church leaders, they have to deal with this. And sometimes they don't know how to stand next to a person who's seen the, the child being killed or murdered or girls being raped and, and how can you stand next to them? And then we like to come in, you know, we put an arm around the church leaders but also help them with some basic counseling uh, methods. You know, it, it's a method but it, it helps them to, to stand next to the people that are really physically suffering. Okay, the areas in which you serve, uh, there are some large ethnic groups, uh, one of which is the Kurds. Um, I did not realize how many Kurds there were in the world uh, in that area spread over several different countries. And then there's a subgroup uh, within the Kurds called the Yazidis. Now, we've heard about these people uh, since really the uh, Iraq War, um, and we've uh, known something of their suffering and their plights. Uh, 
Um, these tend to be groups in which you uh, uh, have some some uh, ministry and some uh, contact. Tell us a bit about these uh, ethnic groups and, and, and what they deal with. Yeah, the Yazidis, it's, uh, the Kurds themselves, it's like 50, 60 million spread over the whole region. The Yazidis is probably just under a million, seven, eight hundred thousand or so. And But when ISIS came, because the Yazidis, it's a different religion group. Right. When ISIS, the, the Islamic extremists, when they came, they, they didn't give the Yazidis a chance to convert. Immediately, they were beheaded, you know. So in, in the first week, they killed like seven, 8,000 Yazidi men and they kidnapped the same kind of number of, of Yazidi women and girls and, and sold them off and, and forced them to be brides of these Muslim fighters. So we, we deal with, with those people as well because we feel like, Christ loved them as well, whether they're Christian or not. We still want to reach out to them and show them Christ's love through very practical means. We've been teaching some Yazidi women from a particular village how to grow vegetables, for example, because when they returned to the village, which was totally empty because of the Islamic extremists, when they go back to the village, there will only be women because all the men have been murdered previously. So we, we help those ladies go back, grow their own fruit and vegetables, run the little shops and so. So we want to stand next to them. And by doing that, we want to show the love of Christ. You know, it, it's not that we are good humans, but we do this because we love Christ and we want them to see Christ in us. Tell me about the Kurds and the history of kind of what has happened to the Kurds, uh, really, I guess since the end of World War II, um, when the the artificial uh, lines were drawn uh, as they uh, split up Central Europe between Stalin and and others. Yeah, the Kurds' history goes much further back. We even think, uh, well, some of us think that the Medes mentioned in the Old Testament were actually the Kurdish people. So the history goes Medes way back. Medes and the Parthians. The Medes and the Persians, the Parthians, yeah. 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 So some people say, oh, these were the Kurds, or, or the Kurds came out of the Medes. So, but th- they always wanted their own piece of land, but, but the, the UN, the organization pre-UN, they actually divided the whole Middle League East. League of Nations, wasn't it? League of Nations. Yeah. They divided the whole Middle East as... as they thought fit, but but just draw lines on the map and said, this is Syria, this is Iraq, this is Iran. And they didn't look at the people groups that were living there at the time. Initially, there was a proposal to create a Kurdistan in, in that Middle East, but that was vetoed by some, some other uh, government officials. And now we have what Middle East is now. And it shows that it was a very bad decision because all these nations are fighting each other all the time. So the Kurds, instead of having been promised their own land, they were taken their own land away from them, and they spread over these these different countries. And the, the counties don't like that, because the Kurds, they have an, a, an idea of one time we will have our own nation. But the, the Turkish government does li- doesn't like that, the Syrian government, the Iranian, the, the 
Iraqi government, they don't want the Kurds to have their own nation because that land is part of those governments. And often there's oil in those lands as well. Sure. So they don't want to give that to the Kurdish people. So the Kurds will keep on fighting for their own land and the governments keep on pushing and hammering the Kurds down. Yeah, and they truly are an outcast people. And as such, they're kind of, uh, um, you know, pushed into a life of being essentially uh, without a ha- without a home. And I keep thinking about the quote of Jesus: uh, "The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his to head." Lay his head. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, and and with the Kurds also, they say we don't have any friends but the mountains. So from the West, we have a challenge here. Do we want to be known as people who don't want to befriend Kurdish people, or do we want to stand alongside them and and help them in in their suffering? Yeah. But this is a nationalistic suffering, of course, because they have their own land. Personal. It becomes Each very person personal. Has to and endure his own. And, and when governments pull out their armies and the Kurds are again slaughtered by their host nations, you know, it, it is massively suffering. Like we yeah. we know Kurdish people who have family lost because Saddam Hussein killed 5,000 with a gas bomb in, in the 80s. Yeah. You know, in one morning, 5,000 Kurdish people and 20,000 of them suffering burns and injuries. There was a picture in National Geographic made years ago of a girl, and that was, I think she was Kurdish. With Uh, piercing blue eyes. With those piercing blue eyes. No, she was an Afghani girl. Afghan, that's right. Okay, yeah, but she was like just incredibly beautiful. And some of these people, I've seen pictures, they're just beautiful people. I mean, they're absolute. Each one of them is a work of art. You know, they they probably they're not eating all this crappy food that we. You know, they're just beautiful, beautiful people of God's creation. And I, you know, I mean, it's just, something I love about you, Tom, is is that you you are compassionate, and your love extends outside of your own family, and outside of your church, and outside of your country. The scripture says, Paul wrote in Corinthians, when one part of the body suffers, the entire body suffers. And when one part of the body is celebrated, the whole body celebrates. So how do we get Christians, how do we get our brothers and sisters here in the United States to feel that they have a brothers and sisters there? The only thing that got me going was, was my own suffering. I mean, I had to go through what I had to go through, you know. But actually, I came out better looking. You did. Man, I was going to say, you're better looking than the last time I I'm saw so you. I'm so glad you laughed. <laughs> I'm sorry. But what it's is, a joke. But what does the it's Bible say? only says? a joke. The Bible says that suffering produces perseverance. It does. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And that's faith. That's what this journey here on this planet is about. It's, it is. Now, let's talk a bit about Open Doors USA. We've talked about it before. Um, it's a worthy, worthy, worthy organization. I have had the opportunity uh, to become friends with the uh, uh, the CEO, a guy named David Curry, 
who's just as much at home sitting around with a group like us or testifying in front of Congress. Yeah. I mean, you know, the dude can bring it. And, uh, you know, I think they are worthy of consideration for to donate to. Open Doors USA, all you got to do is Google them. Uh, it's a great, and you know, I can I can tell you I've gotten into the inner workings of this organization. You're not looking at a lot of bureaucracy. You're not looking at a lot of waste that where the money's going into things that uh, you know don't really matter. I mean, it, it's it, the money gets put to use. Help they they run lean. Yeah, you know they they run pretty daggone lean, and so. Um, yes. Yes. So one thing I've picked up, and welcome Brewster. Thank you. Brewster. Just the one short piece that I've picked up, and I had to get the Bible because that visual part. But something I really picked up from you, and and this is what we have to do in America. We need to make sure everyone has a very dangerous copy of the Bible. I love that. It's a dangerous. It's book. a dangerous yeah, copy of the Bible. This needs. You know, and, and, and when we buy them, I don't care if you buy them at Goodwill or the flea market or, or at, you know, Zondervan Bookstore, it's a very dangerous copy of the Bible. And not just the Bible. Happy birthday. Here's, a, here's your Bible. Here's a very dangerous book. I think that challenges us in America even more. And people around the world are ready to die for, for yeah. that and, and, and the chance to share it. And these, these images right. that we're seeing coming out of Ukraine right now, the images that we saw this morning uh, coming out of Bucha, so graphic. We wonder, how can, how can humanity be that violent? How can it be that evil? Well, it's because but this you, is happening all the time. Scripture in talks about it. I mean, there, there is a point, and I've seen this before. There is a point where people can go beyond conscience, and they we don't tend to understand how it can happen, but it can. Yeah. And, and uh, that's not to say that you can't come back, but you know, uh, there there's a point at which conscience is meaningless. So um, there's people that could listen to what we're saying and be unmoved by it because yeah. they don't have. Their hearts have been grown cold, mm. and that's what we're dealing with. We, we, not everybody sees what we're saying. They're not going to. And, and what you see, what, what I'm challenged by the Christians that I meet in, in the, the persecuted world is that deep love for Jesus. Yeah. And, and suffering can come at the way, but the love for Jesus keeps them standing and going. Yes. And I learn from that every time I meet them. You know, that, that is my encouragement. When I meet Christians who say, I want to give my life to have a copy of this book, and not only to have a copy of the book, but to read it and to live by it, and then pass it on to someone else, which is a risk in itself. Like if you give a copy to someone who's not a Christian, it can cause your death again. So, and, and still that they see the value of God's word and, and the importance of this personal relationship with Christ. And, and sometimes we miss that, you know. Again, we, we do that on Sunday morning, but do, are we doing it 24-7? You know, the, even the Apostle Paul came back from basically having a hard heart against, if, if it can happen to him, 
you know, it can happen to anybody. And even at the end of his life, he felt his need for God even more. Knowing that he was still a sinner, in a sense, he was redeemed and saved, but there was this old man that hadn't yet died. And he loved people. It was Christ's love in him. In fact, he he said, I would trade my spot in heaven yeah, for someone else to get to be there. That That's love. That is love. So, And you only get that when you know Jesus. Yes. All right, I want to talk about open doors a little more. I would like everybody who's listening, if you're touched by what we're saying, consider uh, helping the ministry of Open Doors USA. Um, you know, yes, these things require money. Um, you know, you can't take it with you, um, although some try. But uh, you can help what's going on by going to Open Doors USA, you can you can make a donation. It's it is is a lean organization. It's the the money goes, and I'm a business guy. I don't like businesses that uh, waste money. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not unless it's on the right stuff. You know, I I, uh, I appreciate you uh, fundraising for us. That that's well, awesome. no, we I mean, I'm a, I'm a contributor, but in, in full full disclosure, I, am I would a love everyone to start praying for open doors yeah, and praying for their brothers and sisters. If you go into your phone um, and go to your app store, Open Doors has a prayer app. Just put in Open Doors Prayer. And it's simple. Uh, it's not a fundraising vehicle, but it will prompt you throughout the day. It will say, immediately, right now, we need to be praying for this church in Vietnam. And it shares how you, how you can pray, uh, what those immediate needs are, and then you right. press this little button that says, I'm praying. And when you do, you can see that like 17,000 Christians around the world are praying at their, that very yeah. moment for that church in Vietnam. Uh, the prayer app. I love it. And these guys get into places all over the world. If, you're, if you have a heart for people that are suffering and going through things in different countries, they are kind of the encyclopedia of that. They've. You know, they, they know about the political situation, and you, you listen to David Curry testify. In fact, you can go on YouTube and hear some of his testimonies about what's going on throughout the world. Yeah. The dude has got it cold. Yeah. He's all over it. And, you know, so it's, it's not just a bunch of bleeding hearts, although we sound like that. These guys are on top of what's happening, and they, do, they, they bring it. So, yeah. I am I am challenged by some scripture which is not in scripture. Now that sounds funny. Yeah. You know, living in in the UK, you you learn how to read between the lines and what's not being said. So I'm I'm reading the story of Jesus that he puts the the disciples in the boat and then he gets Peter to walk on the water. Yeah. And the challenge there is what are those 11 disciples doing while Peter is facing the danger of walking on the water? And personally, I don't want to be like those 11 quiet people. Yeah. I want to be within open doors, shouting words of encouragement to the Peters that walk on the water. Yeah. And right, then I look at the persecuted church. Beautiful. Walk Praise on God. the water. We got to jump. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with William and Chris and Tom Dupree coming to you from McLeod's Coffee on Southland Drive. We will be back in just a few minutes with our financial guys. Stay tuned.